Amen. You may be seated this morning. There's nothing that God loves more than for a heart to be humbled. Speak to me. I know sometimes when you get into a, a church situation and you've got some family or some friends with you, you might think, man, I hope they are really listening. I hope my wife is paying attention. I hope my husband's paying attention. I hope my kids are listening. I understand that. But the most important thing you can do this morning is for about the next 30 to 45 minutes, just set them aside for just a moment and focus on hearing from God for you. Don't keep wondering if they're paying attention, if they're not paying attention, if they're really getting what God's saying. Let's just agree that individually we're each going to say, Lord, speak to me today and I'll, I'll hear you. So this morning we have our kids in our service with her. Welcome, children. We're glad you're here in our service with us. This is our uh, family celebration Sunday. So I, I've got a little mini message for the kids. So kids, if y'all want to come down front right up here, I'm going to sit on the side of the stage here, and you can come join me. I'm going to talk to you this morning about a story. Y'all come on down. All kids are welcome to come join me down here. You have a seat right down here. Yeah, come on down. You'll have some fun down here. It'll be great. We've got a story. And parents, don't disconnect with me yet because this story for the kids is actually the introduction for our message today. So I promise you, you'll get something out of it. Wow, what a lot of kids. Y'all make some room. Y'all come around over here on this side if you want. Y'all come on down. Can y'all scoot over and let them through the aisle there? Yeah, let them through. Yeah, come on through. I might need a little help with some parents here to come help them all squeeze in down here. we got a lot of kids. That's awesome. So boys and girls, you know one of the things that God really loves? He loves it when we listen to him. But one of the other things that God really, really loves is when we love each other. When we are kind to one another. And especially to brothers and sisters. How many of you have a brother or sister? Okay, that's almost everybody. Very good. I grew up in a home where I was by myself. It was, I mean, not just me by myself. I had my mom and dad too, but I was the only little kid there. So I didn't have a brother or sister. I'm glad you do. I hope you love them. I know sometimes it might be kind of tough because brothers and sisters do things that are kind of strange sometimes, right? And you might do things that are kind of strange sometimes and you kind of get mad at each other sometimes. And that kind of stuff makes God really sad. He doesn't like it when we're mad, when we're fighting, when we're mean to each other. He loves it when we are kind to each other. So I'm going to tell you a story today, and my story is called Two Brothers and a Bowl of Beans. Now that's a funny name for a story, isn't it? But this story is about two brothers who kind of were not kind to each other. They were not kind. Now these brothers were twins, but they didn't look just alike. They were born at the same time, but they didn't look alike. Now, one was older than the other just by a little bit, and his name was Esau. He was the older brother. Now, Esau liked to hunt, and he liked to go outside. In fact, Esau, are you here in the room with us today? Where is Esau? <clears throat> oh, here comes Esau. Good. <laughs> Y'all say hi to Esau. He's coming up on stage. Esau was the older brother, and he liked to be outside all the time. He liked to go hunting. He liked to help his dad on the farm. They liked to work outside. Do y'all like to work outside and mow the yard and weed eat and all that kind of stuff? No. Yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, that, yeah. 
See, they, they, had a, they, they went out and hunted and had to get their own food, but Esau loved that kind of stuff. See how he's kind of all hairy and strong and big? That was Esau. That's the way he was. Now, he had a brother, a twin brother, but his twin didn't look like him. And his brother was the younger brother. His name was Jacob. Now, I think Jacob's here somewhere. Let's see if we can get Jacob to come out. Jacob, are you here somewhere? Oh, here's Jacob. Now, see, Jacob, I told you, he doesn't look anything like his brother, does he? They're twins, but they're very different. Now, the thing with Jacob is Jacob, he didn't really care to be outside a whole lot. Jacob loved to stay inside. He liked to cook and stay inside, and that's okay. They both had different interests. And Esau hung out with his dad a lot. Jacob hung out with his mom a lot. Esau would go out and catch and kill the food. Jacob would cook the food. That's just kind of how it worked. And that's what they did. Esau was the firstborn. Now, back in the Bible days, if you were the firstborn, you had some extra privileges. In other words, whenever dad was gone, guess who got to be in charge? Esau. He was the older brother, so he got to always be in charge. He got to go first any time there was, like, food on the table. Esau, you get to go first. You're the firstborn. You're the older brother. So he always got to go first. And then he actually got more of dad's money, too. Mm. See, Esau had a lot of privilege because he was the firstborn. So what do you think that made Jacob feel like? It made him a little bit sad sometimes because he kept looking at everything that Jacob had. He wished he had everything that Jacob had. He wished he was the firstborn. He wished he got to go first all the time. Now, Jacob, God had given some very special gifts to Jacob, but Jacob was so jealous of his older brother that he didn't see what God had for him. Mm, Remember that, parents. He stayed jealous. And so one day... Jacob said, I'm going to play a trick on Esau. He wasn't very kind. So one day Esau went off to hunt. There he goes. He's going off hunting. Say, bye, Esau. So, and so while he was gone, Jacob, Jacob talked with his mom, and they planned a trick on Esau. And so Jacob He made a very delicious bowl of beans. See, he's making his bowl of beans right now. And they were were the best tasting beans ever. No one ever tasted the beans that Jacob had made because he was such a good cook. So when, when Esau came back from hunting, he came back and before he even got to the tent, he was already smelling those beans. And yeah, see... When you smell beans like that and you've been out for a long time, you are ready to eat. So he came in and he looked over at Jacob and he was like, I want some beans. And Jacob said, hold on now. Don't don't get so much in a hurry. I know you've been out hunting and all, but I've been in here cooking and all. And Jacob, I mean, Esau just said, I don't care. I want them beans. And, And he reached out to grab those beans. And they pulled back and forth. There was a little fight started all about these beans. And it just kept going. And they go, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Ah! Oh, my goodness. Wow, look at that. Jacob and Esau spilled the beans. Not really. That part didn't happen in the Bible. But here's what happened. Jacob... 
ended up saying to his brother, said, Esau, I tell you what, if you will let me be the firstborn, then I'll give you some beans. And Esau was so hungry. He was so consumed with what he wanted. He said, I don't care if I'm firstborn or not. You can be firstborn. Just give me them beans. And Jacob gave the beans to Esau. And then Jacob said, ha, now I'm the firstborn. From now on, you'll do everything I say. And that did not make Esau very, very happy at all. In fact, it caused some conflict. It made them fight. It made them angry at each other. Now, what do you think that made God? It made him sad, didn't it? Because these two brothers who should have been kind to each other were mean to each other. Now, I'm going to talk to everybody here, including your parents, about what happens in the rest of the story today. Because Jacob and Esau stayed mad at each other for a long time. Let's give a hand to Jacob and Esau up here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. And let's pray together, boys and girls, and I'll let you go back to your seat, okay? Let's pray together first. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us, and you want us to love each other. You showed us how to love each other by sending your son, Jesus. So I pray you will help these boys and girls love their brother, love their sister, love their mom, and love their dad. And I pray you'll help us all to love each other. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, boys and girls, you can take some beans and head back to your seat. Awesome. Very good. All right, y'all head back to your seat. Very good. We are in the second week of a series we're calling here Relationship Apps. Our phones today and our cellular devices are filled with many different apps. Yeah, y'all head on back. I don't think you can get all those beans. Y'all ready? You can come get some after the service, okay? Y'all want to go on back to your seats? I'm herding cats up here. Y'all go on back to your seats, okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll eat those beans during the service. Y'all go on back to your seats. Thank you. Man, they were going to stay there for a while. So, our cellular devices today, with, those, with apps on there, we can check a lot of stuff. We can find answers to a lot of stuff. We can find out what the weather's going to be like. We can find out what our bank balance is. We can send messages to people. They can send messages to us. We can send photos to one another. And I know today we all take that kind of stuff for granted like, yeah, so? I'm telling you, if you'd been alive when you couldn't do any of that, you would appreciate what you can do today. You can, you can check movie times. You can find the best route to your restaurant. You can find out if there's traffic on the highway that you're driving on. You can take pictures. You can do so much with your cellular devices. In fact, we've come up with a phrase today that says, there's an app for that, right? Just about whatever you want to do, there's an app for that. This series we've been looking at, we are discovering that in our relationships, we are going to have conflict from time to time. You're going to have misunderstandings from time to time. You're going to have questions from time to time about how do I relate to this person? What do I do in this situation? I'm here to tell you today that because of what Jesus has done for us and he's given us his word, there is an app for that. There's an application on how to live out what Christ has done for us in our relationships. Amen? Here's the big point that we introduced last week and we want to follow up on today. 
This is our big point. The more that you download the ways God has related to you in Jesus Christ, the more you will change the way you relate to others. The more that you download in your own life what Jesus has done for you, you will begin to change how you relate to others. If you're never downloading what Jesus has done for you, if that's not an ongoing thing, if you don't update the app in your heart regularly, you won't know how to relate to people in your life. But if you are regularly downloading, updating, moving forward with what Jesus has done in your heart, you will know how to relate to other people in your life. Our passage that we're kind of springboarding from is Colossians chapter 3. And there, in verse 12, it says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. In other words, Paul says, now, now that you have been chosen by God, now that he has washed your sins, now that he has actually given you the gift of righteousness, now that he sees you as clean before him, and now that your new name is beloved, now because this is true of you, he says there are some things that we ought to do. This is the way the app works. Because of who you are, here are some things that begin to flow out of your life. And here's what we looked at last week. He says, because of these things, put on tender mercies. Put it on like a, like a coat. Put it on like a robe. Put it on because this is now who you are. Because God has been merciful to you, you can now learn to be merciful to others. So we looked at last week the app of mercy. This week, we're looking at the app of kindness, of downloading kindness into our hearts from God so that we can learn to be kind to others. And here's our definition of kindness. Blessing someone in need with compassionate words and actions. Kindness is not just a feeling that you have. It's not just this ooey-gooey feeling Whenever the commercials are coming on TV and it's the SPCA showing you these very sad-looking puppy dog eyes, that feeling that you feel right there, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that translates into real-life stuff where you experience compassion in your heart for someone else and you let it overflow with words and actions that are compassionate and you help them in their time of need. This is real kindness. And I'm going to tell you, this kind of stuff doesn't come natural. You might think, oh, well, everybody's kind. No, they're not. We're not all kind. Well, I take that back. We like to be kind to people that are kind to us, right? As long as someone's kind to us, we like being kind to them. But, but Jesus did something very different. He was kind to us when we were not kind to him. While we were enemies, he showed us his kindness. So real kindness in our life comes out even to the people that we say are enemies, that have rejected us, that have hurt us, that have put us through trouble. Kindness comes out in our life whenever we show them compassion. The Bible says in Titus 3, 4 through 6, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared... Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Kindness is what saves us. The kindness of God received in our heart, Jesus received here, changes our heart. Now, 
our story today back to two brothers. Two brothers. We've already introduced them to you. You've got kind of a, a visual on these two brothers, Jacob and Esau. You know, it's funny, if you read the story in the Bible, their mother, Rebecca, it even says that while she was pregnant with these two boys, that they were struggling and scuffling even then. In fact, the Bible says she got so concerned about all this turmoil inside her tummy that she prayed to God and said, God, what in the world is going on in there? And the scripture says something funny in return. God says to Rebecca, it says, Rebecca, there are two nations within you. She probably thought, yeah, it feels like there's two nations within there. It was actually just two boys. And he said, there are two peoples in your body, not just two people, peoples, two people groups. And here's the deal, Rebecca, the older one will end up serving the younger one. What? I thought the older one was always the firstborn. I thought the older one did all the one, was the one who everybody served. And the Spirit of God said to her, Rebecca, I'm just telling you at this point, there's going to be some conflict, there's going to be some tension, but there's coming a day when the older one will actually serve the younger one. And it should have been a message of encouragement for Rebecca. It should have been something she passed on to her kids. But I'm not sure by reading the story that that actually happened. Because the story goes on after this tricking situation happened here. There came another time where Jacob and his mom decided to play a trick on the dad. It came time for the dad to give a blessing. This is something different than you and I even know today. We don't have a time in our life where we speak a blessing to our kids. Maybe you do. But there was something significant that happened in this Old Testament story because there came a day that the dad, the patriarch of the family, would sit down and he would pass on this blessing to the oldest son. And he would pass on a legacy. He would pass on inheritance. He would pass on purpose to him. And that time was coming and Jacob was getting nervous because all Jacob could see throughout his whole life was what Esau had. And he stayed jealous. He stayed envious. He stayed resentful. He stayed mad. It's not fair. It's not fair what Esau has. It's not fair that I have to be the second born. It's not fair that he gets to go first. It's not fair at all that this is happening. And Jacob stayed upset about it all the time, and it led him to do some of the things that he did. He couldn't see what God had for him because he was so jealous of what God had given Esau. Please hold on to that point. It is so powerful a truth that it's going to affect these boys for the rest of their lives. Whenever you get so focused on what somebody else has that you don't have, it will mess with you. You will miss out on what God has for you. And you'll live your life jealous, angry, and bitter instead of grateful and seeing how God has gifted and made you. So the story goes on, and Jacob and his mom were going to play this trick on the dad. The dad's getting ready to give the blessing, and, Je and Esau has to go out. He goes out, and they send him out into the field. And while he is away, Jacob and his mom go and get Esau's clothes, and they put it on Jacob. You see, the dad is old and blind. He can't even see. And so Jacob dresses up like Esau, and he goes to him and says, Hello, Dad. Esau here. He said, Esau? Is that really you? 
Yeah, Dad, reach out and feel my skin. And he'd put some animal fur on his skin so that when his dad reached out to feel his skin, he'd feel how hairy it was. That's you, all right, Esau. And his dad spoke a blessing. And it was like a legal binding truth. And it applied to Jacob instead of Esau. And so when Esau came back in, he said, Hey, Dad, I'm home. Esau? I just gave the blessing to you already. What do you mean you're home? And when when Esau found out what Jacob had done, he was furious. Not only had he taken the firstborn privilege, now he had taken away the blessing. He tricked Esau out of the blessing. And the Bible says this next about Esau and Jacob. Watch this in verse 41 of Genesis 27. If you want to follow along, we're in Genesis. I'm going to be covering some big passages. I'll show you the key verses on screen. It says, so Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. In other words, I'm going to mourn for my dad right now. Then, then I will kill my brother Jacob. You see, because Jacob couldn't accept who he was, he didn't know how to be kind to his brother. And it caused there to be tension. And then when Esau got tricked, he sure wasn't interested in being kind back, although he could have, but he didn't. And it introduced conflict, introduced problems that would stay in their lives for years to come. Now, you might think it was really all about that situation right there, but it was really about something deeper. And this is where I hope you'll tune in with me even more this morning than anything else. Because the story is really something deeper. The story of Jacob and Esau is not just about the blessing. It's part of it. It's not just about Jacob being a trickster. It's part of it. The story is really about Jacob being a man who was desperate for blessing. He had a heart that was desperate to know that he was accepted, that he was loved, that he had a purpose, that God had something for him. And all he could see when he saw Esau was How come he gets the blessing? How come I don't get the blessing? I should deserve the blessing. I should have the blessing. Jacob was desperate to know he was loved. You know, we could launch off right here into a completely different message about the power of a parent's words into their children's lives. You see, the Bible makes it clear that Esau was a favorite of his dad's. So his dad spent a lot of time with him. His dad passed on the blessing to him. Jacob stayed with his mom. Nothing wrong with that, except somewhere along the way, Jacob never got the blessing that was supposed to be his, the blessing that the angel had told Rebecca, the blessing that he had for God's purpose for his life. And so Jacob stayed a man desperate for blessing. He wanted anybody to bless him. It wasn't just his dad. He wanted anybody who could to say, man, you are worth something. You are valuable. You are loved. You are accepted. You are wonderful. I'm amazed at what God's given you. And Jacob went throughout his life not having that. 
And I don't just blame his parents because ultimately it comes down to us. And you may not have had the perfect parents, but in God, you have the power to receive every blessing that you need, regardless of whether you had the perfect dad or mom or not. Amen? Amen. Jacob, a man desperate for blessing. He became so desperate that he would deceive his brother. He would deceive his father. He'd violate his own conscience. He'd be mean. He'd be selfish. And he would sin against God. It's kind of what happens whenever you won't and don't accept the blessing that you have from God. It makes you jealous of other people. It makes you envious. It makes you ungrateful. You're always trying to impress somebody so that you will get some accolades, get some approval. You're always trying to outdo everybody else. You're trying to prove yourself. You're easily hurt by others. People aren't even meaning to talk about you, and you interpret it as though they're talking about you. You get your feelings hurt easily. You make bad choices in life because you're out looking for approval. And you figure if you couldn't get it in your house, you couldn't get it in the church house, you go out to some other houses where you sure shouldn't be looking to try to get some approval. And you sure can't see anybody else having any needs because you're so wrapped up in yourself. You're so hurt. You're so desperate. You can't see anybody else's needs. And so Jacob tricked Esau out of the most important blessing that he could have. So Jacob then becomes a man consumed with stress. You see, when that happens in your life and you just can't get any rest inside, when you can't get at a place where you're at peace inside, when you're always looking at everybody else complaining and jealous and envious and grumpy and complaining and angry, it does something to you. It makes you stressed out. It makes you nervous all the time. It makes you worn out. It makes you angry. It messes with every part of you. Now, the strange thing is that the story goes on that God actually blessed Jacob. He went on and you could read the rest of his life story. A trick is actually played on him, and he ends up having to marry a woman and her sister. You can look at that another time. But God blesses him with children, lots of children. And then he starts getting lots of stuff. He becomes a wealthy man in spite of his sin, in spite of his struggles, in spite of where he's been. God just blesses him. And he's, he's walking through life Years passed, and he is trying to do everything he can to avoid Esau. I don't want to be around that guy again. I don't have anything to do with him because every word I get is that Esau's out to kill me. I don't like him. He doesn't like me, and I got to stay away from him. But there came a day when Jacob was going to have to pass through the land where Esau lived. It just was that way. There wasn't any way around it. He was going to have to pass through his land. And Jacob's getting really nervous about the situation because all he knows is that Esau is out to kill him. And here's what the Bible says next happened in Genesis 32. It says, Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom. That was his country. This is where Esau lived. And Jacob said this, Hey, uh, I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants, and I've sent them to tell the Lord, my Lord, he's talking about Esau, 
that I may find favor in your sight. So Jacob's nervous. He's about to have to go through his land where Esau lives. So he sends these messengers ahead to say, hey, um, I got to come through the land and I got lots of stuff I'd be glad to just give to you if you'll just let me go through. Please don't cause me any harm. Just, I'll just give all this stuff to you. He's trying to appease him. He's trying to pay him off. He's trying to just get through the land. He hopes there's no problems, no concerns here. The passage goes on in verse 6 and it says this, Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, uh, We came to your brother Esau and he is also coming to meet you. And he's got 400 men with him. Oh, no. And you just know Jacob is getting a little bit nervous about this situation. Yeah, I, he sent gifts ahead to try to go, you know, soothe him, try to pay off the situation. And all of a sudden, Esau's coming. He's got 400 guys with him. He didn't say 400 sheep. He didn't say 400 kids and grandkids. It's men. All Jacob can think is, it's got to be an army. He's got to be coming. We're not going to make it out of this situation. The passage goes on in verse 7 and 8. It says this, So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, obviously. And he divided the people that were with him. Who were the people with him? His kids, his servants, his family, and the flocks and the herds and the camels. And he divided them into two groups, two companies, the Bible says. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. Wow. How'd you like to be one of those groups? He takes all of his family and divides them up and says, now one of us is going to be attacked and killed. Whichever one does, see ya. The others, let's get out of here. Wow. Come on, Jacob. Really? Is that all you can do is think about yourself in this situation? You're going to sacrifice your family for that? Then the Bible goes on. It says that Jacob prayed to God about the situation. Good thing. Verse 11 says this, Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the land of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me. See, that's what happens when you don't accept the blessing that God has given you. It makes you jealous, envious. It makes you see everything else that everybody else gets with envy. It makes you despise the one who's even your brother. And it makes you make choices that later you think, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Jacob was making a whole host of wrong decisions and choices, all because he's jealous of his brother. So what we get next is Jacob, a man still fighting for a blessing. Now, the story gets very interesting at this point. This story is so great. Normally, if you've probably been around the church for very long, you've heard these stories, but you may have heard them all disconnected. You've heard them separately. The stories were not meant to be heard separately. They are all connected to one another. They have purpose within themselves. They are all connected, they have a reason. So here's Jacob getting older in his life, and he has this still this passion to just have a blessing, just somehow to know that God has a purpose for his life. God has a reason for his life. God loves him. God accepts him. God will forgive him, that God has a blessing for him. He's desperate to know that. At the end of chapter 32, as you get down into verse 24, it says this. Then Jacob was left alone and a man. Now, look carefully here at this passage on screen. A man, or if you're in your Bible, look at your Bible. 
man is capitalized. That's not a typo. That's by design by the Holy Spirit. An angelic being of great stature and size shows up with Jacob while he's alone. He has sent the family groups off into two groups, suckas, and he stays off by himself. And he's there by himself when this man shows up, this angelic being of great strength. And it says this man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, I just wonder, how did that scene develop? You know, Jacob's there by himself. Maybe he's got a little campfire going. Maybe he's cooking some beans. He's enjoying his time. It's all quiet. And someone big shows up and says, sup, dude. And next thing you know, a fight ensues. I don't know what happens. I don't know if Jacob's nervous. He's defending his stuff. I don't know if he starts it, if the angel starts it. But something happens, and they get into a fight. I mean, they're wrestling. They are really just going at it. It says, they wrestled until the breaking of day. It's nighttime, and Jacob has gotten off by himself, and this wrestling match starts, and it goes on all night long. They're just battling it out. They're using their best moves on the other, and no one's winning. It's just back and forth, back and forth. It says, now, when he, capital H, he, the angel, saw that he did not prevail against him, that he, the angelic being, touched the socket of his hip, Jacob, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. The angel is like, man, this guy is not going to give up. This guy ain't stopping. It's been all night, and he's still wrestling. And so with just a touch, he's like, boop. You know, he's been wrestling all night, but just one touch, and hip socket pops out. That's how strong the angel is. That's how powerful he is. He just touched, and that's done. But they keep on wrestling. Jacob doesn't stop because Jacob is a man desperate for blessing. When you're desperate for a blessing, you don't stop. You keep going, even when it's God himself that you're wrestling with. He's desperate, desperate for blessing. It says next in verse 26, that he said, let me go for the day breaks. The angel's like, I had enough. But he said, I will not let you go unless what? Unless you bless me. Do you see? Jacob is desperate for blessing. And if he's going to spend this time with God, if he's going to wrestle with him all night long, he says, I'm not going to let you go until I know, until I'm confident, until I have it in my hand, a blessing. I've worked all my life to try to get a blessing. I tricked my brother. I tricked my dad. I've tried to make enough money. I've tried to get the right career. I've tried to travel around, and I hadn't found the blessing anywhere. But finally, God, I'm with you, and I'm wrestling, and I know you. Hold it in your hands to give me a blessing, and I'm not going to let go until I get it. You see what's happening? Do you see how the story's all coming together now? All these stories are not disconnected. They have purpose within themselves. And he says, I am not going to let go until you bless me. So he, the angel, said to him, what is your name? 
Now look, angels know our names. God knew his name. He said, Jacob. Now, Jacob received the name Jacob at the time of birth. You see, the Bible records what only some midwives could have seen in the day. This baby is being born, and it's got red hair, and it's coming out. But before it gets all the way out, his heel is there. And as it's coming out, there's a hand attached to it. The Bible says that Jacob had grabbed hold of Esau's foot, his ankle, and would not let it go. And from that day forward, his family called him Trickster. How'd you like to be called something like that that you had no control over? You didn't know that was going on the day you were born. You didn't even do that intentionally. It was just what happened. But he got a label because of it. He got called Trickster all of his life. Every time someone called his name, Trickster, Hey, Trickster, it's dinner time. Trickster, come on in. Trickster, get out there and do your work today. Every day, that's all you heard was Trickster. Guess what you live up to when you get called something all your life? You become it. Oh, parents, be careful what you say to your kids. Be careful the names you give them. I don't mean whether it's Joe or Bob or Donnie. I'm talking about those other names. I'm talking about loser. I'm talking about rebellious. I'm talking about some of those other names I can't even mention, not because they're profane, because I just don't want to say them. They set a child's future in motion. So when the angel asked him, he said, I'm Jacob. That's what I've always been. And the angel said to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. You know what the word or the name Israel means? Israel means triumphant with God. Now that changes things. The angel, God himself, was being kind to Jacob. He had lived as a deceiver and a tricker and a selfish man all of his life. But here he is, desperate for a blessing. He couldn't get it from his dad. He couldn't get it from his mom. He couldn't get it from his brother. He couldn't get it from everything he accomplished. And so he finally says, God, I'm not going to let you go until I get this blessing. And God says, okay, from now on, your name is called Triumphant with God. That'll change your name. That'll change who you are. Now every time he heard his name, hey, Israel. Yes. Here I come. Triumphant with God. It does something to you. It changes the way you see certain situations. It changes the way you see people. It changes the way you see yourself in the mirror every morning. Triumphant with God. Let's go back and finish here the, the passage. He said, your name should longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you've prevailed. Blessing to you. And God gave him something brand new. God gave him a new name. God gave him a new purpose. God gave him a new future. God gave him a new destiny. He changed his name, and God was kind to him. 
And it changed everything about Jacob, Israel. He became a new man. Now, remember, we're in the middle of a story here. We're in the middle of a progression. This is not an isolated story. Jacob is on his way to go see his brother Esau. There's 400 men and Esau coming when this event happens, and they are connected. These are not just separate Bible stories you put on a flannel gram in a daycare and show somebody. This is real-life stuff that happened, and they all have connection. Look what happens next. Genesis 33 says, Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming. And with him were 400 men. It says then Jacob bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. He changes his response. He doesn't run. He's not angry. He's not trying to get some weapons to kill him. He's no longer hiding. He is bowing in greatest humility before his brother. When the kindness of God pierces your heart and changes who you are, it'll change how you relate even to those who are your enemies. Hello. I'm going to start amening myself if y'all don't help me amen here in this place. There's some big truth happening from the scripture here, and I'm just going to start amening myself. Y'all could join me if you'd like. It says in verse 4, But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. This is not what Jacob thought was going to happen because the Bible makes it clear in the book of Proverbs that when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make even his enemies be kind to him. When you all of a sudden get it all off of you, when you all of a sudden stop being jealous of everybody else, when you stop playing the pity me game and you start saying, God, you've blessed me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for changing me. When you let that fill you, it'll make you humble and God will change things in your life. Amen. Here we go. Verse 8 and 9. Then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I meet? And he said, these are to find favor in your sight, my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Esau said, I don't don't need all of this. But remember who got the firstborn blessing? Jacob. Remember who got the firstborn privileges? Jacob. Jacob had become wealthy. He had no clue what had happened to Esau. But Esau said, Jacob, I don't need all that stuff. I don't need it. I have enough. You keep it for yourself. Verse 10. And Jacob said, no, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand. Inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God. And you were pleased with me. That's all Jacob ever wanted is to have someone look at him and know they were pleased with him. And Jacob didn't get it until he wrestled with God. Sometimes God will bring things into our lives that are difficult, that we have to wrestle with, that we have to work our way through, that we have to keep our arms around 
And sometimes it doesn't happen in 10 minutes at the end of a worship service. Sometimes you end up staying up all night. Sometimes years pass and you keep wrestling. And finally the day comes when you see God and you hear his word to you and it changes you. His love is better than anything else. And so when Jacob sees Esau and Esau is smiling at him, he says, it's just like I saw God. And he was talking about just a night before. It was like when God smiled at me there after we wrestled all night long. Mm. Last verse. Please, take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. In other words, Jacob was saying, God has been incredibly kind to me. Now I am giving to you. Take it. And Esau did. Jacob wasn't interested in giving anything to anybody until he wrestled with the angel. Jacob wasn't interested in giving anything to anybody until his identity was changed. Jacob wasn't interested in doing anything for anyone until he became a new man, until he became Israel, and then it forever changed him. Whew. I'm telling you, when you download what Jesus has done for you into your life, when you see that kindness, it will change who you are and it will change how you relate. It changed a man called trickster into a man called triumphant with God. Now, let's download this. We'll be done. Three quick points this morning. Here's the first. Until you wrestle to receive God's blessings, you won't have the power to be kind and bless others. If you're not carrying around a blessing, you sure can't give it to anybody. If you're walking around all the time with an empty basket saying, how come no one's blessing me? How come no one's being kind to me? Oh, look what they did to me. You got a big old empty bucket. That's all you're carrying around. That's all you see is everything everyone else has done. When you finally get to the place that you wrestle with God and you receive from him blessing that he's done for you in Jesus Christ, it's going to fill up your bucket. And it'll change how you see people. You'll all of a sudden see someone and you realize, I never knew they had a need. I didn't even realize they were hurting. My goodness. I'm going to give blessing to them. I'm going to give because he's given to me. you got to get to that place. you got to wrestle with God. you got to work through it. If he calls you to pray for 10 minutes, an hour, all night, all week, you pray, you search, you wrestle, you search the scriptures, you spend time with him, you get with friends who can counsel you and tell you truth. You do that work and you wrestle with God to receive the blessing. Number two, look for what others need and bless them from what you have received. That's what kindness is. You change your perspective. You start seeing people. You start seeing their needs, and you see what you can do to compassionately meet their needs. What can I do to help them? What can I say that will encourage them? This is what kindness does. And our last point this morning, we're going to wrap this up. Number three, bless those closest to you with tender kindness first. You see, sometimes it feels easier to love someone from a distance than to love those closest to us 
first. It's easy to pray for that person in another country. It's a little different when you're praying for your marriage partner that you're having some conflict with right then. Hello? It's easy to pray for those children in that school setting over there than to pray for your own children and try to work out the relationship that are, when they're sitting right next to you in your own home first. But kindness says, Jacob, all that stuff, all those camels and oxen and sheep, all that stuff, all your pursuits, all your accomplishments, none of that stuff matters because your brother you're at odds with. And you're going to have to go there and be kind first. This is really what it all comes down to. If you're going to show kindness in your life, if God has spoken to you and you say, okay, God, I'm ready to be kind. Show me somebody I can send $10 to overseas. That's a good thing. But if you've got a spouse sitting next to you or a family member close to you or a church family member near you that you're at odds with, that there's tension with, that there's conflict with. God says, here's where we're going to start first. Because I'm going to take you through a land, Jacob, where you're going to have to see Esau. And God will be faithful to put you right face to face with that person, those people that you've had the conflict with, and say, here we go. It's time to wrestle. Let's do the work and show some kindness. Amen? This is what God calls us to. This is the app we're downloading this week. I hope you download this app. I hope you update it. I hope you live it. God delights. The psalm says, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, when there is peace, when there is joy, when there is love, and when there's great kindness. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?